Welcome to the Upside Podcast, powered by Upside Global and hosted by Julian Blinn, founder and CEO of Upside Global. The Upside Podcast is listened to weekly by over 6,000 sports and tech executives from all sports leagues and teams in the United States and around the world. Julian has been developing technologies for professional sports teams for over 10 years and has worked for major tech companies along with sports tech startups. In each episode, Julian interviews global leaders in sports to share knowledge on emerging technology in the sports industry and how these technologies can help improve the performance of individuals and organizations both on and off the playing field. And now here's your host, Julian Blinn. So today we have the honor to interview Scott Gutterman, Senior Vice President of Digital Operations at the PGA Tour. So Scott, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you so much, Julian, for having me on the show. Great. So Scott, you know, what I wanted to cover today was first we'll talk about your background and then your role at the PGA Tour. And then we'll cover, I'd love to get your thoughts on the importance of technology for the PGA Tour to improve the fan experience. And then we'll talk about the AR experience that you guys build in association with uh, Kintar. And then I'd love to get your take on the NFT metaverse space. How does it sound? Great. Great. Sounds good. Great. So could you start by telling us about your background so that people understand you know, what you've done before and what you're doing now? Sure, sure. So uh, I've been here actually at the PGA Tour for 17 years uh -huh. uh, prior to the, yeah, the, the been, been in quite a lot. It's actually 17 years this month. Nice. Um, but yeah. uh, I, I had, uh, had a long career before I joined the PGA Tour as well. So I actually started uh, in financial services uh, in the early 90s, building uh, firm inventory systems. Interesting. Uh, coding and 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 uh, coding COBOL and CICS and uh, and a bunch of other stuff uh, yeah. for banking, uh, banking all around the world, uh, and uh, spent a lot of time in that field, probably about five years. Mm -hmm. uh, then, as kind of the uh, internet became more and more of a commercial entity uh, and and commercially viable for for many entities, uh, I began to move into helping people with implementations on the internet, uh, starting with uh, being a middleware architect for a while. Uh, and then uh, eventually went and uh, became uh, uh, somebody who ran a group of developers and an office uh, in Atlanta for a company called Viant uh, and worked. Uh, so I really made the leap over from financial services into media and entertainment, uh, yeah. began working on projects for uh, uh, several, several people, including Turner uh, Broadcasting, and we worked on, uh, on something for a cartoon network called Cartoon Orbit. Uh, Very cool. It's actually one of the first online trading, uh, trading card uh, uh, implementations. Uh, and then got involved with uh, sports through NASCAR.com and bringing the NASCAR.com property over to help start the Turner, Turner Sports properties uh, back in uh, uh, 2000. Um, and that's yeah. really from there. I kind of just kept going through sports and got connected through sports. And uh, uh, through those connections, I eventually ended up here at the PGA Tour uh, in 2005 and uh, have been here, uh, been here ever since. We started off with, uh, when I got here, we were, uh, we were kind of in an outbuilding and a small group that worked on a just a website. And uh, uh, since then, it's kind of grown into every component of the PJ Tours business has some uh, involvement in our digital platforms and or, or needs support in a digital way. And so uh, it's been an exciting 17 years because uh, every two to three years, it's been some new technology shift uh, that I've been able to help the, the tour uh, move on to and, and create new experiences for our fans. That's pretty cool. So, and I'm assuming you're, you're a golf fan as well. I am a golf fan. I started playing uh, golf when I was in college and I was a fan of the PGA Tour before I joined. I uh, yeah. attended uh, quite a few PGA Tour events uh, over the years and uh, just through uh, a good networking, a buddy of mine came to work here at the PGA Tour 
and uh, invited me down and uh, it was all a good fit. So I, uh, it's a joy to be able to, uh, you know, run the technology for a sport that I love uh, not only watching, but participating in too. Although yeah. I am not a professional golfer. That's for the, the pros. That's <laughs> like, I, I work for the BJ tour. I don't play, play golf for the BJ tour. Well, that's great. Well, you know, I, I'm starting to learn golf, I think for the past nine months and I got my kids into it. And I, I have to say, and I play tennis and other sports, but, this is one of the most difficult sports, technically. Okay. Like you could get a, you could hit a great shot, next shot, no good. So you really have to pay attention to your technique. And but I actually enjoy yeah. it. You being in nature and being out there, and I think it's a, it's a great, great sport. So well, that's um, that's great to hear. I think it's a a great sport for families. And you know, I think one of the the nice things I think that's really emerged over the last five or six years is that you know there's many ways to play the sport, whether you're out on the golf course you know, are taking lessons or you're just going to go play nine holes or three holes or yeah. go to top golf or uh, uh, just hang out on the range. So I think, you know, I think especially if you got kids, the best way is just to let them have fun while they're out on the course and hopefully they'll pick up the other elements of the game at some point in time. Well, you know, it's uh, and I, I kind of a segue. Uh, we did a podcast interview with Patty, Patty, the professional golfer, right? From mm-hmm. Ireland. Yeah, yeah, Harrington. yeah. And I asked him, I said, how do I get my kids into golf? And he said, just make sure that they enjoy being there, right? It's not just playing golf all day, but they have to enjoy it, right? They have to enjoy being there, spend the day. And I think he was right. And one thing actually he said to me was that golf can expand your life expectancy, I think by 10 years, which I was surprised to hear that, but because of all the walking that you do, that it didn't yeah. quite surprise me, right? Yeah, so, yeah. That's uh, the, the walking and the exercise, I think, uh, uh, you know, really helps out. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think the PGA tool, from my perspective, I've been kind of a pioneer or an early adopters of technology, right? I remember many few years ago, you guys were using, for example, the AutoLens, right? To help yep. improve the fan experience. You can see the curve, the directory of the ball. I think it was really uh, interesting for you guys to do that. So my question to you is how important is technology, the PGA tool, to help improve the fan experience? Well, it's, I mean, it's at the forefront of everything that we do. I mean, technology for us drives fan engagement. So, and yeah. it drives fan engagement across, you know, different, different age groups and, and different fan bases. Uh, I think, you know, we, you know, in the early days, the, when you thought of golf, you thought of technology, you thought of the technology that went into the equipment that, that the players play with. Yeah. Um, but now I think you, you, with golf, you have the technology that, you know, continues to grow that the players play with, but um, the way that the tour presents itself and the way that the tour engages, you know, players and fans together is largely through technology. I think, uh, you know, in my early days here, there used to be a lot of discussion, like how do we get our players uh, and our fans closer together? And these are in the pre social yeah. media days. And then, social media came along and, and really gave our players a way to engage directly with our fans, uh, you know, while they're both at the course and, and not at the course. Uh, and that really began the wave and, and really kind of came in with a generation of players that learned how to use social media platforms, learned how to use the PGA tour platforms that we were building yeah. um, to really reach out to our fans. And I think that that's what, what continues to help grow our fan base. And now they're, they're even closer. I mean, now the, you know, that was a general, you know, Tiger and, 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 and uh, Ernie Els and uh, several others, you know, they came up in the generation kind of like I did, which is where you didn't start out that way. But now, 
you have, you know, Rory McIlroy and Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas and yeah. uh, uh, Tony Finau, who are fully engaged, have, have grown through the sport and, and their own use of, of social media. So they, they, they know how to engage with our fans. I think that's only made the, the sport stronger. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and, and that's, you know, we talk about the fan experience, but what about on the performance side? I mean, do you, and I've seen some players using, for example, the Whoop uh, a band to help track the sleep quality. And do you think that players or golfers, love to get your take on that, golfers, do they use performance technology to monitor their sleep, to maybe prevent injuries, to look at biomechanics? Uh, how important do you think technology has become more on the performance side for golfers, in your opinion? Yeah, I know. I think it's become very important and it really, it, 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 it stretches from what you were talking about, the Whoop band. I'm actually wearing a Whoop band, been wearing one for about three years now Yeah. Um, as our players adopted it. And I, I you know, like uh, you, again, you'll see Rory, uh, Rory uh, McElroy and Justin Thomas, a few others, you'll see them wearing it in competition. Some of them wear it on their wrists or they put it up under their arms, uh, but they're using that data that they get from competitions. And you can see like we've, done work with whoop where the guys are going back and looking at their heart rates when they have big shots, you know, they're looking to lower their heart rate when they have a big shot yep. to, to win an event. And so they, they're you know, looking at breathing techniques and they're looking at how those breathing techniques are reflected in the data that they gather. So that's yep. just one way that they, they use data. We have across every event on the PGA tour, we have our shot link system, which gathers roughly 70 data points for every shot hit on the course. Um, and our players over the years have started to use that data. Some of the players have even uh, employed some of their own data analysts to take a look at how they play a course either between rounds or, you know, between events or year over year so that they can go back and say, you know, I, based on this, on the, this position of the, of the flag, this is really where I should be hitting it because I think that's where I've had the most success. Um, and so they'll be using that. And then this past year with the players championship here in March, um, you know, two years ago, three years ago now, we started a program called Every Shot Live at the Players' Championship, where we are capturing every single shot um, and streaming it live for our fans from the time the first tee shot is hit to the very last putt. Uh, and uh, our players now this year, for the first time, what we did is we created an internal website for them, where with that video, what we've done is uh, two things. One was allowed them to see the live streaming video uh, that they want to watch uh, through that, their own player portal. And second yeah. is that we worked with a company called WSC Sports, who does yeah, a lot of them, automated, yeah. you guys may be familiar with them. They're in New York, um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So working with WSC, we create what's called a speed round for every player after their round is completed. So within 15 minutes of their round being completed on that same website available to the players, uh, our uh, uh, cut down of their entire round, every shot from their round compressed to about 15 minutes. I mean, we take out all the walking and and, mm -hmm. and breaks and things like that and just cut it down so that they can go back and see that. And so we know looking at the data that about you know, there's about a, 120 players, 130 players, I think, uh, maybe a little bit more in at the Players Championship. We know the vast majority of them between their rounds were working with their coaches and looking at how they played uh, between rounds to improve their performance the next day. That's really so interesting. There's a lot I, of technology. Yeah, there. I had no idea that it's almost remind me of football, right? when they yeah. do video analysis. And so are you saying that the golfer really do that? They have some video analysis of people looking at videos and shots and, but how do they get feedback in real time? Well, no. I mean, in, in real, so they, 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 uh, with the way that the rules of golf are, they cannot get feedback. You're not allowed to use an yeah. outside uh, uh, piece of technology essentially to during your game. 
to yeah. influence what you're doing. So what the what the players are doing is they're looking at so before the players before their rounds, they're often looking at the leaderboards on the PGA Tour apps, or they're looking at our Tourcast application, which is a 3D representation I see. of everything that's going on in the course. So before they go out, they're looking and looking to see how the players that, that went out before them did. When they come in after their round, that's when they're looking at the video, the data, um, yeah. and making adjustments and looking at, at again at the PGA Tour apps and making their adjustments uh, yeah. there. And they're taking into account all of the data that we capture, whether that's simple stroke data or radar data from every shot that they hit off the tee box. That's interesting. You also made a comment that kind of surprised me a bit. You, you, are you saying that golfers have data analysts? So, um, some of them have data analysts that they hired to look at the data. And is that pretty common or not? It's becoming more common. Um, it, it really started out probably about 10 years ago. A few players yeah. started doing it. So players like Brant Snedeker and a few others started hiring people that could look at their analytics across and look at the, the weight of their data across a season or across a round or across an event and be able to say, you know what, when you hit it, when on this hole, when you tend to hit it to, you know, be on the left side of the fairway, you tend to put it within 10 feet yeah. of the hole on the, on the green from that position. So the next time you play this hole, you need to be on the left side of the fairway. That's where you really should, that's where your tendencies should be if mm -hmm. you can control your shot and get it there. So there's all of that. And even it goes down to the, you know, their putting statistics and, knowing that, hey, if they, you know, what their averages are when, you know, whether they're 5, 10, 15, 20 feet out from, uh, from a, a hole uh, on any given course. And, and what would you say is the most, uh, I guess, tech savvy or, you know, <laughs> uh, golfer out there, like we really care about, like, for example, when I talked to Patty, right, I was kind of amazed that he was using like blood analysis from Orico and, you know, yeah. to know if he was over training or under training, right? So, yeah. From your perspective, if you could say maybe one or two guys that are super tech savvy, they love new tech, they really get it, they're really getting into data. Who would you say right now? Well, I mean, look, I, I, two guys that you know I've had some interaction with, I think you know are very very savvy. But I would say most of their generation of on the tour is pretty tech savvy. Yeah. Uh, Roy McElroy is definitely yeah. one of them that's that's looking at everything that he needs that he has availability of. Uh, with between his rounds to use them uh, to use it uh, to that degree. Justin Thomas. I mean, these are the guys that you see wearing the whoop bands. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, those guys uh, are are def definitely two of the most tech savvy guys that we have on the tour. Uh, you know, Max Homa is another one that I think is very astute uh, and looking at data all the time. So there's a number of there's a number of players out there that are doing it. I think I think you'd find that a, a large majority of the players are either uh, employing some sort of an analyst on their own yeah. or, their, or a, group of, a group of players may be working with one analyst uh, together mm -hmm. and getting getting that feedback. So there's there's quite a few that are doing it now. I think it's fascinating. Um, you, you mentioned a wood band. We do work with many, many vendors, I think close to 200 vendors, but one of them, uh, it's a company called Helite. Uh, they have a, a non-invasive sleep aid device using red light therapy. That you turn on the device, you put it on your bedside table, it's a red light. And what it does is releases your natural melatonin. So it makes you fall asleep, literally. Interesting. And it, it increases the duration, the duration of your deep sleep by sometimes 20 to 30 percent, depending wow. on uh, the team and the athlete that we we uh, uh, we tried it. And they sold 30,000 units to date. 30,000. Wow. So uh, I, I'd be curious if something like this. 
might be of interest to some of the golfers who might have some sleeping issues or they want to increase the duration of their deep sleep, right? So that when they get up, they're more refreshed and they can perform better the next day, right? Sure, sure. So Yeah, I mean, look, I think, you know, the tour and the golfers are always looking to find the best way to get an edge. Yeah. Uh, whether that's on their game or their or or the habits that they develop outside of the game, um, I think a lot of the players now are very meaning you know very meaningfully look at their sleep habits um, and look at multiple ways to improve those between rounds. Yeah, uh, and then you know it goes they're looking at sleep and diet uh, as much as yeah. they look at physical performance and their stretching and preparation ahead of a round. So I think this generation is more and more in tune to that because that's something that really Tiger Woods you know, really pioneered across the tour. Um, and uh, I, I think, yeah, I think certainly players may be interested in something like okay, that. Okay, great. Um, so next question, we, let's go back to the, uh, the the work that you're doing around AR and the fan experience. Uh, could you tell us a bit more about the AR experience that you guys have built with a company called Quintar? I hope I say it correctly, but yeah, how did yeah you, you, got it, you got it right. Quintar, okay. How do you yep. come up with this idea of working with them and building that experience for the fans? So this is an idea that uh, we had going back when we saw the announcement of AR kit on iOS yeah. back five or six years ago. And we're like, okay, how, how can we use this to improve our fan experience on site? And so two, two, there's, if you look at it from, if you start from a, a problem that a, that a fan might have or a challenge a fan might have on site, I think there are two things. And one is, you know, our, our events take place on, on courses that are 100 and 150 acres, roughly. And when you're going to a golf event, you may be standing 200, 250, maybe even 350 yards away from a, a tee box waiting yeah. for the golfers to step up and, and hit their tee shots. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the kind of the way that people have figured out who the golfer is, is they'll pull out a paper that has the tee times on it and try to figure out who it is. Or they might go into our apps and say, okay, I know that that, you know, uh, Justin Thomas and Max Homer are on this hole. Yeah. But what we said is, look, why don't we give fans the opportunity to take out their phone, just aim it down the fairway and be told what two golfers, you know, look, you look through their camera and be able to tell what two golfers are there on the tee box. And yeah. not only once you see them on the tee box and they, once they hit their tee shots or their approach shots or their putting shots, like take out that camera again or leave it open and be able to see the actual shot trail in real time yeah. you know, where the ball lands. So you, you can look down the fairway 250 yards and say, Oh, there's, there's Justin Thomas and there's Max Homa. They just hit their tee shots. You actually, what you can do is pan with your phone and you can see the shot trails above you and it goes right to where the ball lands. And then what it gives you is the data, how far that ball has been hit and how much mm -hmm. further that ball has to go into the hole. And then it's the same thing. When you get up to the green, it'll show you once it lands on the green, how far the ball is from the hole and, and what their next shot looks like. And yeah. so with Quintar, what we've been able to do, we tried that with a number of vendors over the years. And because the way that the iPhones work is they're you know, using GPS, yeah. they, that GPS is only accurate down to about nine meters. Or sorry, mm -hmm. down to, yeah, three, sorry, I think it's uh, three meters. Um, so we couldn't get it to work for a long time. What Quintar did is they came up with a, with a, 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 a technology essentially that goes out and maps the course uh, from a fan's point of view, uh, and then they map that against our our fully mapped courses because we map and 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 map every single hole with radar and know pretty much down to the centimeter almost where the ball is on every hole. Yeah. We combine those two things together, 
Um, what it does is enables a fan to stand anywhere around that hole, whether it's behind a tee box looking down or from a green looking out or from the side looking across. And it enables a fan basically to do that, be able to see the ball land no matter where it is. Um, and that was that was really the trick that Quintar came up with. And the their IP that revolves around that is something that's allowed us to create this experience. I mean, I had plenty of vendors come to me and say, hey, we can create this experience, but the fans will have to be behind the tee box or they'll have to be up in the stand somewhere. As we would, that's not what we wanted. We didn't want to have to create a special augmented reality area on every hole. So yeah. the, what Quintar really enabled us to do, which is what I wanted us to be able to do is pre- provide that experience for our fans, no matter where they were standing around that hole. And then the okay. second item is for wayfinding. You know, if you're coming out on the course and you, your favorite player is, you know, is Ricky Fowler, um, you know, we want you to be able to take your phone out, use augmented reality to, you know, you to uh, implement the he way. Tech, by the way, he's a big tech. He loves tech or the VR training thing that he's done. And yeah, he's one of the most tech savvy guy, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, he's definitely one of them. So he, so, but you know, we wanted to use AR to allow people to find their way around the course, to find their way to hospitality or their favorite player, um, yeah. rather than having to like ask some, you know, ask somebody or be face down looking at a map. So we think, Wayfinding is going to be another big area that we're going to use it for, um, especially because our courses and our properties are just so big. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, maybe two last questions. <clears throat> the first one is, what is your take on this whole NFT metaverse space, right? Everything, met, you know, Facebook or change the name to Meta. I mean, it's been this kind of, uh, it's the big, the big word of the day, right? The big, so much yeah. buzz around NFT metaverse. My take is that, Many of the VR companies, even AR companies, kind of revamped, you know, uh, pivoted. They call themselves metaverse companies, and I think they're they still have. If you didn't, if you didn't have a good business model before as a VR company, I don't think you'll have the secret sauce when it comes to metaverse and NFT, right? However, there are some interesting companies, uh, you know, company that raised lots of money, anywhere from Sorare, Dapper Labs. Uh, so you know, there's. There are some interesting companies out there, but I think there's a lot of companies who have who don't really have a business model, and there's a lot of redundancies between companies. Anyway, so what what is your take on this whole NFT metaverse space right now? So for for me, what I try to do is I actually kind of separate the two. To me, Web three and metaverse are almost two different things because I think you can go off and and people have been going off and doing uh, proto metaverse type implementations without without NFTs and crypto. Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I tend to separate the two as two different sure. areas. I think at some point in time, um, you'll find NFTs and crypto as part of the meta, as an element of the metaverse or a component Agreed. of the metaverse. Yeah. Uh, but, but that, that time, you know, still needs some time to develop. The, the, the tour will be announcing some relationships here after probably later this fall, maybe just after the new year, some things that we are going to do with NFT and 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 crypto uh, yeah. i think for our approach it's going to be largely based around building communities yeah. um, and building ownership um and driving communities in a, in a way to, to 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 create opportunities for our fans so that if you come to the players championship when when you, if you buy a players championship one year you may get a an nft that is part of your ticketing experience to show that you were there when uh rory McIlroy won the the 2019 you know players championship as kind of a keepsake um, it may give you access to special hospitality uh, areas, or it may be, in fact, like your season ticket for years to come. So I think it, I think there's a way there for NFTs to be a part of a larger program and yeah. be part of uh, of ownership there. So I think that that's going to be something that's going to be important. You I think the metaverse. That, yeah, oh, go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. 
No, no. Now, are you ahead. saying the big part of a bigger program? You're talking about like a loyalty program? Is that what you're referring to? I think or... it'll be closer to a loyalty or a fan program. I think that's yeah. what we're seeing. I think, you know, even if you look at if you look at what's being built up like around board Ape Yacht Club and a few of the other kind of more popular, you know, crypto punks and some of the other things, there's some IP ownership and things like that, but they're largely, you know, you know, DAOs, DAOs, they're they're largely about creating communities. And that NFT showing that you're part of that community, um, it's kind of your your identification that you're an owner, you have part ownership in that community. Yeah. Um, so it's a component of a larger, you know, a larger program, a larger platform. That makes sense. Um, so I think that's I think those things, and it, there's still a lot to work out there, though. I, there, yeah. There's it's not. I agree. It's, not, it's in the very early stages, but I think um, I think metaverse is is very interesting because I think a lot of to your point earlier is I think there's a lot of things that have been going on that have already been metaverse like, yeah. uh, or, you know, like I said earlier, proto metaverse, which is you look at like for us in, in, at the tour, there's a couple, there's two items that I tend to point to. One is you look at our partnership with 2k and the 2k PGA tour uh, mm -hmm. video game that we have in that game. We literally have hundreds of thousands of people uh, playing every single month. They're spending time there. Um, they have their own avatars. They dress those avatars as uh, themselves or uh, however they want. They're able to buy and sell in a, in a virtual economy there with virtual currency uh, that uh, allows them to wear a Titleist hat or play with a Titleist golf ball or with Callaway clubs yeah. uh, or wear an Adidas shirt or an Adidas shoes. Um, you know, they have avatars. Uh, they, they, we put on virtual versions of our live games. Essentially there's a digital twin. So when we have the players championship here and the professional golfers are playing on that course in the 2k game, there is a, a virtual players championship going on that fans are playing in for virtual currency, heightened currency that week. So we have a virtual version of our event going on. Mm -hmm. Um, so to me, that's kind of all that's, that, that is, that, that exhibits a lot of the characteristics of what you see in a you know, and it's kind of our, you know, for lack of a better example, like it's kind of our version of Roblox or, or Minecraft or things like that. Like it's a, it's a community and people spend a lot of time there. They can design and build their own golf courses. Um, and so I think that that's all very important. And then the other part for us, which we've done, you know, we, we set the tone on this in golf many, many years ago with a product that we call Torcast, uh, which we relaunched back in 2020. Um, which is on pjtour.com, our owned and operated platforms, which is a 3D digital twin of every shot and every part of the course um, that you can follow. And our fans are there spending well over an, hours of, uh, an hour of time uh, in that in Tourcast every week, uh, observing the shots and the events and the highlights and the things that are going on there. But it's a 3D course. You can explore it just like you would a, a, in a video game. Uh, and I think we're going to continue to build on that. So it's literally a digital twin of what we do week in and week out. And you can see, you know, all the best shots there. So I think those things for us are, are precursors to, you know, where someday I think a larger metaverse uh, uh, play will, will be. And you, you're starting to see these things emerge like on, on um, Oculus Quest. There's a great game called Golf Plus VR that mm -hmm. uh, uh, is really fun to play is also building a community. Um, and I think those guys are doing a really neat job. So you see things like that. And then you see uh, fun things like, like uh, there's another, another company that actually built a golf game in Oculus Quest that allows you to play uh, a putt-putt version of golf in uh, the, the 
the uh, a, a digital version of Jim Henson's The Labyrinth environment, like from the movie, um, which mm -hmm. is a lot of fun for kids to play, like which I think is a great way to introduce people to golf. Yeah, um, so there's a lot of interesting stuff that's going on. I think there's, um, you know, I've, I've spent some time reading Matthew Ball's Metaverse book um, and reading a lot of other Metaverse stuff. I think there's still a long ways to go, but I think we're at that point where all of us in sports are beginning to prepare for what that environment will look like when our fans are want to consume our sport in those places. Yeah, uh, that, okay, that, that makes sense. So, hey, la last question for you, I always ask to ask people, you know, what is the, the, the one thing that you like the most about your job, right? So what are the, you have the most fun doing, I guess, every day? What would you say? Um, I, I think the, what I have the most fun doing is talking about these new and emerging opportunities and platforms that we're, we're looking at all the time. I think, I, I think having, having that and then working with our teams, you know, how to create opportunities with it. Um, I'm really lucky where I get to, I, I'm a technologist at heart. I grew up that way. I grew up coding and I grew up liking, like, you know, liking to tinker with code and, and all kinds of stuff. And so um, yeah. that really, for me, is, is what I enjoy doing. We have a great team that does that with me. And I think that's the other thing is just sharing that and seeing the reaction to fans when we roll new, new and interesting things out. So it's, I, I wouldn't be at a place for 17 years if I wasn't doing exciting technology work, which is 100%, what the floor lets me do. Yeah, I think you, you, you know, you found a great job and you've done a great job, I think, uh, deploying and building new technologies. So all uh, power to you. Um, so look, we, we're at the end of the, uh, the interview, but I really enjoyed the conversation. So thank you for your time today. Great, thank you so much, Julian. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To access past episodes and other research, articles, and analysis of sports technology, please visit our website, theupside.us. Subscribe to the Upside newsletter and receive full access to our sports tech business letter and website. Royalty-free music is provided by ibaudio.com. The Upside podcast provides timely insights and interviews with global leaders in sports technology. Until next time, keep looking to the Upside.